You know, one of the things that I think is challenging, um, simultaneously enriching and debilitating is social media. I don't think I'm alone in being entranced by it a lot of the times. And then at other times, even if I still go on it, not being super happy about it, or it's just a time killer that nevertheless I find uh, won't stop sucking my time. So with the Steers next interview here with Felicity Fenton, um, we her um, her chat book called User Not Found is all about you know, what it means to have a healthy relationship with social media and what it means to not and where the divide is with that. And I really, you know, I I really took a lot away from this. I mean, she, Felicity calls it the walls. She's like, I didn't go on the walls very often. Um, and, or, or alternately going on the walls a lot. And, the digital divide between who people are and who people seem to be on the internet um, is something that she really grasps onto in this in this chat book, User Not Found, that we talk about in this interview. We also talk a lot a bit about just what it means to be an ambidextrous artist and how sometimes the best art happens when you are not making art, how sometimes the best art happens when you're listening to music in India, lost and uh, are not sure um, where you are, but nevertheless have some type of faith that you are where you should be. So Felicity has only recently kind of started sending her writing work out. I mean, before that, she was a visual artist in a variety of different capacities, from photography to installation to kind of social practice-based work. She is a creative director here in Portland now um, and also has her own radio thing on Freeform Portland Radio. She is the host of that. and We'll put a link up on the site. We jawed in this interview music-wise. What do we hit up? I guess y'all have to hear. But we, uh, we talk as much in this one about social media as music and then sometimes how you find things on social media that are musical and that kind of you know can after scrolling forever i mean sometimes you find one kind of little tidbit and it can make your day so this is the steers interview with felicity fenton welcome to the steer is that good yeah that's good that's that's really kind of like well, I don't mean on the air, but I just mean in general because, well, whatever. Yeah. Why were you in India? I went 20 years ago. Well, that was in, where's my copy of it now? That was in User Not Found. The 20 years ago Well, it experience? very obliquely mentions. It does. I went to India. I was inspired by this friend of mine, a, a former love who had traveled all over the place in India and Sri Lanka. And she lived in all these these places and was really inspiring to me. And at one point, um, I was living in New York and I was feeling really inundated by the buildings and all of the noise. And I decided to go and check it out. India was one of the first places I traveled as, a, as an adult without my family. Um, Sola? Nope. I was. Oh, you were with the uh, former. No, nope. no, oh, no. That's a different story <laughs> uh, altogether. 
<laughs> no, it, uh, so just ended up in India, inspired by that person, and uh, was there for about three months. And oh, so you were there for a while. Yeah, and it really, it really uh, changed. I mean, so many people say that India changed me. And it's not because I, I like hopped on a guru bandwagon or anything. It's just really different. It's a very different place than um, than the United States. You have less, uh, there's less of a linear kind of way of going about things. Just driving in general is really different. And being in a line is very different. And so it was a really good introduction to a world that I, I didn't know. So before I left, my partner at the time set up a, an email address for me so that I could communicate with my family. This is 20 years ago. Yeah. Okay. So okay. it was my first email address. Right. This is my, sort of my introduction to the internet was right as I left for, for India. And my email address, should I tell everybody what it, what, cause I still have it. It's my, it's my, it's still one of my email addresses. I mean, I have all sorts of email. I have, I love to lurk at hotmail.com. <laughs> I have, I like to lurk at hotmail.com. I have jallisandrelli at hotmail.com, jallisandrelli1 at hotmail.com, jallisandrelli2 at hotmail.com. <laughs> I got a lot. It's um, a lot. But do you check this one now? You don't. I, you can say it or not. I don't really. You know, I do. It's I don't check it and 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 think I'll get anything good there. Although I did correspond for quite a while with people through my Felicia Dog at yahoo.com email address. And so sometimes I'll get emails from people I met on my travels years ago, mm. still there. And anyway, so that email address uh, enabled me to talk to my my family while I was in India the first time, 20 mm. years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was a dial-up situation. Yeah. The yeah, And I, I think it took probably 10 minutes to get online. So this is this literally 1999? Is it literally 20 years ago? Yeah. Okay, so it was, okay. Yeah, it was 20 years ago. Oh. So, so you so you did go on the 20-year mark, kind I of. I did, yeah. Was that, Within a few months, within I think five months. Yeah. But the year was right on. Yep. Was that a conscious decision? No. no. I'd wanted to go back for years. I've been trying to get back there and I've done a lot of other traveling um, and I just I just never ended up getting back there until just a little while ago. And how long were you there this time? 16 full days. 16 full days. It's a little different than three months. Still. I yeah. mean, that's still. I'm not complaining. I sound, I sound so disgruntled about it but it when you go that far when you get on a plane and you're on the plane for you know 16 hours and then you're in airports and then it takes 27 hours to get somewhere it's it's a you want a good chunk of time because it takes a while to acclimate and well right yeah now when you're in a country like that i mean do you can you see like the caste system and stuff is it cased or cast it's cast and did I say that right? You did. I'm not good. But with I'm words. I'm not either. So you know, I I say things wrong all the time, and I it's something that I'm working on. I always thought it was <laughs> oc, oc, oculate, hmm. but it's occult. Oh, like witchy things. <laughs> I, That's really different. Yeah. Oc, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. But it is cast. Okay. So can you wit? Do you witness that firsthand when you're there? Well, sure. I mean, class is. The it's, unspoken. It's a. It's the elephant in the room everywhere. You see it everywhere. I mean, you see it here. You see, I just saw it walking in the, the into the studio. There's people sleeping on the ground. 
So, right. Uh, so you think, okay, so that's interesting. I mean, so it's, it's omnipresent here, I guess. Totally. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not called that, but the class is a thing that happens all over the world. So there it's no different than here. I guess I r- read like the untouchables back I, or like books, you know, where it's more clearly delineated, but. I wouldn't say that it's, it's completely the same, but there are a lot of similarities. I mean, you you are in a room with somebody of a, a higher income prestige and if they happen to someone who's potentially homeless walks in the room, unless they're sort of an enlightened person, they're likely not going to have a big old conversation and hang out and sleep in the same bed. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there's, you have the, you have the rich and you have the poor and then, but India's middle class is growing tremendously. It's, it's a, it's a large economy in the world. So it's, it's, that's the thing a lot of people assume when you tell them I'm going to go to India, they, they say, oh, it's so poor. But I mean, it's it's also it's very prosperous and um, I mean is India the most populous country in the world? Um, I don't know about that. I, I believe China might be. China. It's, I mean, it's a very populated. I I'm really bad at data points, so. Um, <laughs> right, but it's yeah. but it's very popular. I mean, it's, it's intensely populated. Yeah, every city we went to, we were like, oh, this city has twelve million people yeah, I mean, in it's it. Bananas, like <laughs> that's a lot of people. Yeah, it's uh, populated. And then there, because there's political kind of if there's elections happening right yeah which is a big deal because well you would know more it's a big deal though right well it's interesting because i think we're in this stage right now and just globally where there's an intense almost like fascism coming around all over the place i mean granted it's in my opinion it's it's always been a a hue of that (laughs) but it's so much more obvious now there's a lot of nationalism um, well right so that's there yeah there's some conservatism happening there i mean it's a it it's it's progressed so much since I was there 20 years ago. In the newspaper, for instance, there's definitely um, more of a celebration of the of, of queer oh. um, lifestyles and just um, more of a holistic viewpoint of the world. And, and there's definitely an, um, a desire for more of an environmental kind of point of view. I think we just all need to band together in that way globally. But... It's things that they talk about in their newspaper a little different than what they were 20 years ago. Did you keep a diary 20 years ago or did you remember things? I did. I I have a journal from when I was there and I was just a baby. I mean, I was 20. So. (laughs) Yeah, that's younger. I was, was, and it it was just, and in fact, when I, when I arrived the first or second day, I was remembering how, am I allowed to say things on, on well technically because we're on the FCC that's right, now that's right, that's can, right. okay I won't say it then um but it <laughs> just threw off my my I'm sorry it's okay so what was I saying the first time you went oh, yeah so the journal situation when I arrived this time I was musing just remembering how freaked out I was the first time I was there it was just so different and I was I just, I felt, I felt so unsafe in my body. I felt like everything I consumed was going to poison me. Um, and I've traveled so much since then that I, I just know, I know better. And I also, my, my guts are stronger, frankly. But it was a lot of fear. I was writing down a lot of fearful thoughts when I was there the first time. Wow. I- just around being so far away from my family and, and being, it wasn't, it wasn't as connected of a world. 
You well, know? no. It's, I it's, mean, not at all. Like, and we take that for granted now. And then yeah. We, yeah. I mean, for, for me to even contact my mother on the phone 20 years ago, I, I'd go to this specific type of booth and wait in a long line. Yeah. And sit on this this sort of, like, dilapidated chair. And there were so many noises around me. And, I, and the connection was really poor. And I think I only ended up speaking to my mom maybe two times the whole time I was in th- there. In three months, that's a lot. Or that's yeah. not that much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. So... And it wasn't living with her or anything, but it's just you realize, oh, you realize what home is when you go that far and you don't have any sort of way of sending, you know, some messages that are instantaneous. And there was no instant messaging. So, yeah, it was it was different for sure. And my my journal at the time revealed a lot of that. When I look back at it, it was just, oh, it's 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 so different, and um, you know, I flew into Bombay, Mumbai, and it was so at the time. There's a really big t- uh, shanty town tent tent city from the airport to um, the 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 city center, mm-hmm. and I'd never seen anything like that. It was just because it was like dire poverty. Oh yeah, and I. I I wasn't in Mumbai this time, so I, I don't have a, a sense of whether or not that's still there. I, I think it probably is. I mean, it's only more populated. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Chennai this time, which is definitely more prosperous city. There are definitely pockets of poverty, but it's um, Tamil Nadu and um, and Kerala are two of the, you know, they're like tech. There's like a lot of technology mm-hmm. there, engineers and so I think when you get into the more of the northern cities, they're just they're just um, they're more populated and they're, there's just a lot more history. So, but seeing that when I was twenty, I just didn't even know how to, how to wow. deal. And and you journaled about it, so you did have like a record twenty years later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But did yeah. you remembered it too, kind of? Yeah, oh yeah, I remembered it for sure. But I I don't know if you've ever written a memoir. I've written memoirish things, okay. but they've always been. I've always had a problem writing about myself, but I've written. I have written. Yeah, I've written memoirish things for sure. So you know how you sort of recall like, the you then, with the you now. Yeah, but for me, sometimes it's so fluid. It's hard for me to discern. Yeah, I don't have the same fears that I did then. Yeah. Well, so then that's a there's, that's a direct thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was definitely. I. I was. I was in a state of, and granted, I also took this really messed up pill that is no longer even, I don't even think it exists. It was called the larium pill. The, the Larium. Okay. And it, it's an anti, it was an anti-malarial pill, which is only small percentage even effective. It was a pill you took every two weeks. I only took one of them. I have a very sensitive physiology, if that's the right word. And uh, constitution, constitution, yeah, physiology, yeah, all of it. It's just sensitive, very sensitive flower. I think it was also on birth control, which I had just started taking. So, and I don't even take aspirin or Advil, right? So, uh, I pretty immediately had a bit of like a psycho psychosis situation happen. Where did you, when did you take it when you landed? Like right when you landed. Mm. I think two days before I took the larium pill, and this was to last two weeks. Oh. And it gets into your system and it hangs out there. And so on top of being 
really young, on birth control, which I hadn't really experienced, and um, the larium pill and culture shock. I was just, I was a, I was, it was a, it was a tough, tough thing experiencing India for the first time in that mind state. And then, um, so you traveled around both times though. Yeah, a little bit here. Um, the, the last trip, because there's less time, there wasn't as much territory that mm-hmm. I could cover. Um, and I also don't like bouncing around too much because you don't really get a sense of a place if you, if you bounce around every day. So we were there for three days in Chennai and then flew to um, Cochin and Kerala for a few days and then flew up to Varanasi, which was a city that I really remembered because it was, it's one of the oldest cities on earth and it's one of the holiest cities on earth. And I am not a religious person at all. So it's a very curious place to go because, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think people journey to India for, um, Western people journey to India for a very various reasons. It's sometimes it's uh, you just want to like deepen your own spiritual practice. You maybe want to do a yoga retreat. I hear that's why people go. Mm, I hear different reasons for people for like spiritual, even if they're not Hindi. Hindu. Yeah, it's a you know it's a place where people. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of yoga. There are a lot of yoga people who who go to to go to India. Hmm. That's not the only reason, but it's a, it's there's a definitely a large percentage. And same thing with Bali. People go to Bali and they. They go and it's like coconut water cleanses, and I I am not of the of the camp, and I have nothing wrong with that. That's awesome, but um, I just prefer to do yoga, you know, just in my house. I don't want right. to travel somewhere to do yoga. Nor do I, but I. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a kind of a funny it's kind of a funny thing to me. But I think shoot, if somebody said, hey, here's some here's an opportunity to go and do yoga in India, I would definitely I would I would say sure, why not. Well, so would I, but if that was an all-expense-paid thing, but that's not going to happen for me, at least. Yeah. I'd also probably, you know, if somebody said, here, go and do yoga at the DMV, I'd probably probably do that, too. If they paid you or just because somebody (laughs) asked you? Because you're... (laughs) If they paid me. Uh, (laughs) I mean, who doesn't want to do yoga at the DMV? So, but your fascination with India, I mean, it derives from your former sense of self or from your fascination with the country or both? I think both. I mean, I have a fascination with the world in general. If I, there's so many countries and cultures that I'm interested in. and Because um, you you're from, where are you born? I was born in Denver, Colorado. Denver, Colorado. <laughs> and then you lived in New York? I lived in New York for... 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. And then I moved. And I, I, and I, you know, I traveled a lot during that 10 years. And then I moved to Portland. Never been to Portland. I just moved here. In what year? 2007. Okay. Yeah. Did you live in Vermont? No. That was a low residency. It was low residency MFA. So I, I actually, I think I've spent three months of my life in Vermont. I love Vermont. Let me just we have the, a huge amount of Vermont <laughs> listeners on the show, so you better. For the record, I love it. I feel like. So, but you've been here. You've been in Portland since two thousand seven. Yeah. So that's a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. I lived in Vietnam for one of those years. So, oh. Yeah. Okay. I took a little sabbatical and worked on a book. I taught English. When was how long ago was that? That was two thousand and nine. 
Okay. So 2008, that... 2009, right? Uh, literally three days after Obama was elected. Flew to, not that I, <laughs> not that I do any, my, I'm not, my drive is not political. Um, I don't flee countries because of my. Um, I wasn't insinuating. No, but I know it sounds, it sounds like it's, it may sound like, oh, I was really affected by that and had to leave, but no. That was not the case. It not was serendipitous. It was way planned in advance, no matter who had been elected. It was a, it was a good... John McCain or Obama, you were going to Vietnam. <laughs> I respect that. So on, I guess this is tangential, and then we'll get to a, a music thing. But when okay. you were done perusing this site, go outside, good things happen outside, is kind of the central tagline on your website homepage. Yeah, that's been there for a while, too. I mean, I've actually constructed a few websites that are just white space, just a blank page or a picture of the sky. And is that all that's on there? It's motivation. Um, that was all that was on there. Those sites are no longer because I don't feel like taking up data space for just my own jollies of getting people to, mo <laughs> to go outside. Yeah, that's a big that's a big one. I it's it's not only for others, but it's it's for me. Just oh. I should not be on the, on the internet this much. I should not be on my phone this much. I should just get up and open the door and take a deep breath of fresh air. So that's kind of a mantra of sorts for you and for possibly the person perusing your site, because I was perusing your site. You I, were. I was. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I have this. I have this internal dialogue that's. Um, I think a lot of creative people have it. Um, where I I have this sort of guilt about what I'm putting out into the world and adding to the mound of stuff that already exists, specifically in the lens of the internet or anything on a screen because we're just bombarded on a daily basis. So it's more of, hey, thanks, thanks for checking in. Now get up and go outside, do something else. Sure. I don't have a desire to like, suck people in and keep them there you know i don't i don't have the I'm, i don't I'm, i don't have like an e-commerce site where i want people to buy things no but i mean do you so you think a lot of people though they feel hesitation about how much they put in the world because i think the opposite in some regard you do they want to flood yeah they want i mean there's ego and there's content and there's like i need to get so much stuff like i have no qualms about you know, like people have to remember me. People have to know me. Mm. Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe it's getting older. I just feel less. It's not that I'm not motivated to make things. I just am less motivated to. I just had. So, for instance, I just had something published in the Iowa Review. And mm -hmm. when I got the package in the mail, I was faced with this joy and terror. <laughs> because right. in the package, there was this sheet that said, Please, in very bold writing, please share, share, share this stuff on the social. I call them the walls. Right. Um, and I and I know how much work goes into putting these things together. And I realize the 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 realities of sharing these things online are largely what will get them to be read. Mm -hmm. So I and I I do feel a responsibility to. Kevin Samsel, first of all, my my publisher of, of the user not found, and 
anybody who publishes me gives gives me a chance as a writer with a story that I should potentially share it. So you do feel an obligation though, Amin, because so I personally don't feel that much. It depends mm-hmm. on kind of the thing, but I feel mm-hmm. dread. Maybe it's getting older too. When I publish something that I worked really hard and sometimes I see the mm-hmm. actual thing and I'm like, this is the last thing. <laughs> I mean, I ever, you know, Just not- you work so hard for something for me at least. And then yeah. I see the actual thing and this is my own kind of, I'm just like, okay, what's well, on to the next thing? Or like, I can't deal with this. Yeah. And then, and it's a paradox that I've never really been able to solve, but. Yeah. It, yeah, it's a, it's a combination. I, I think the dread for me is partially that where, oh, I don't really want people to read this. <laughs> this is, this is, it's not that it's, I don't feel that it's good. It's just, uh, there's maybe something unsavory about it. And with the eye review piece or anything you read? Anything, yeah. I mean, that piece was very personal. I mean, I always, I my the the work that I write is pretty personal anyway. But it's blunt, it's revealing, and Mm -hmm. it's it's um, it's uncomfortable. I mean, I go to a really uncomfortable place, and which are all things about my dad. (laughs) So so there's that piece specifically. uh, Who's still living? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I don't really want him getting his hands on that. I know, but it's interesting because the Iowa Review is a pretty, I would say it's top 50 or 30 like literary journals in the country. I mean, it's, you know, it's not, it's, it does get out in the world. I had no idea that that was going to happen. I was, I I honestly feel like their UPS driver, you know, (laughs) like, like we need to publish the UPS driver. So here we go. Well, no, I don't mean that, but I mean, it's a very personal, private thing. Totally. And you, I mean, it's just an interesting. I know. It is. It's a strange thing. It's a, um, yeah, putting, the, putting my writing out into the world is pretty new for me. I've been writing a long time, but um, I, I didn't start even trying to do it until like two years ago. Was your MFA in, in like visual art? or Interdisciplinary arts so there was writing involved but it was you know i went to goddard it's a very it's a very unique place you can you can study all sorts of things and you do it in your own sort of way and there's some amazing people in the program but it's it's definitely not a traditional type of school Uh so i studied i studied relational performance and and writing and so my work is definitely Mm cross-disciplinary um but i largely write and I decided to dedicate myself more fully and actually try to get things out there, which is an interesting thing, about two years ago. Because before that, you were writing, but you weren't trying to exclusively publish things. It was in combination of some other kind of... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, there was more of a visual component to my work, performative. Yeah. So the writing would either feed the performance or it wouldn't necessarily require it being on a page. And so that kind of goes in. I mean, so then were you big on, so like user not found? I mean, we can talk about it now, can't we? (laughs) You're the boss. We talk about it whenever you want. But I mean, it's basically your relationship with social media and the internet in general. I'd say social media and the internet. Social media is very interesting to me. I mean, I think everybody's got a relationship with it at this point that is, uh, 
maybe frayed. Well, right. I mean, because it's a very, I don't have anything really, anything interesting to say about it. Yeah. Um, because I feel like what I say is what everyone kind of, I don't know, they, they feel it. I mean, it's, it's another thing that's paradoxical because, you know, you, one of the sentences in here that I kind of noted is like, I worry about being forgotten. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think a lot of people's relationship with social media is. It's not necessarily that they want to show certain things, but they want to document them so other people know that they're in the world and they're not forgotten about in that world. Totally. I mean, there is a, there is a, and, and there's, so I, um, my website traffic has gone down by probably 50. I haven't checked it lately. I had checked it about a year ago, but it went down 50%. Well, so what were you like before? You were you on what web? What what were you on? And then how often were you involved? I was mostly on the Instagram wall, right? Um, and I would, I would, I usually would post something every day, and I would engage. Well, that's not that much once a day, and but you would engage too, which is important. I would engage. Too. I would scroll. I would scroll yeah, through that well, thing. Okay. Like, I mean, it was just, it was just. But the average like Instagram crack. user I read is on for an hour. I'm not on Instagram, which yeah. I mean is maybe to the detriment and, and positive nature of my whole life. But no. the average user is on for an hour at a time. Yeah. Now, that seems like a lot to me, but then another, maybe that's it's not that much. It's Pe- a lot. People used to watch TV for however, you know, like everything's kind of parceled. Sure. So that coupled with internet TV, like or, Netflix, mm-hmm. and then emails and texting. I mean, the screen in general. Right, right. So that's, yeah, yeah. So that's something that I I wanted to just curb. And there's my kid, so I have a 7-year-old and she we were in Mexico City when when this when this essay was inspired and we were just scrolling. She so she, when does she when did she get a phone? She has She a, does not have a She phone. does not have a phone, no. but she was scrolling to her you no, were no. her and my sorry, I was scrolling I and her father was scrolling. Okay. We were scrolling in bed in the morning. And she said, it's very weird to see my parents' faces painted in light every day. Oh, she said, okay. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, yeah, that is weird. And and then on top of that, we were, we were in Mexico for three weeks. We were thinking of potentially finding it, you know, leaving Portland and going and living in Mexico for a while. And then never happened. But and a few months beforehand, we were in Indonesia. We were in uh, both Bali and we were in, um, in Jakarta and Java. Uh-huh. And I just, people are always, it's just everybody's on their phone. And it was just. You, so you've seen like internationally. You're internationally. Saying, anyway. And in India, it was like, whoa. I mean, we were at this, at the, at the Ghats in, on the whole, in the holiest city in Varanasi. And there's this, this ritual that happens every night on the Ghats. And everybody's just got their phone up trying to capture this and potentially share it on either WhatsApp. It, it supposedly, um, that's a very popular What's, yeah, yeah. one there. But just the need to document right. the moment is, is really strong. And so I felt, I felt a lot of that when I, you know, I, t- I take photographs and the need to share the photographs. Before these these walls came around, I just took photographs with a little more, with a different intention. Sure. The intention was was not that. But then it became that. 
Did the attention wasn't, you mean that you didn't share them with people and they were more like personal? You shared them with friends, but you'd have to see them in person and kind of like. Yeah. Or, or I just didn't, I didn't take as many. You didn't take them. Yeah. And there was a, there was an edited version. Like if, especially if I was using film, I'm not going to show everybody all these pictures. I mean, not all of them are good. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, there is a curation that happens on the walls as well, but it's, it's just, there's just so much of it. There's so, so much of it. So that was another, that was another thing. I just, I felt like um, my intentions had shifted. And then also just the data storage in the world. I and mean, we really don't have the, the earth storage for, mm-hmm. for all of this stuff. So every time you hit like or share or anything, it's captured and and it's it's not it doesn't just go into the ether. It's actually housed in giant, which is taking up untold spaces. amounts of energy. Exactly. So there's all sorts of reasons why I wanted to curb it and why I wanted to just cut it from my system, sever it. And I did sever it for a few months. I didn't really go on at all, and it was a really good thing to do. And so I wrote about just the response, the body's response. Um, I had never been addicted to anything oh, really? before. Mm-mm. And so I realized I would like reach for my phone. Yeah. And I wasn't a good smoker. I wasn't the best at drugs, like thankfully, I suppose. So I, it wasn't something. Well, it's that a I, security blanket, right? I yeah. mean, so if you're ever bored or ever uncomfortable, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's that's, it's a salve. It is a salve. It was definitely a salve. And I, I think I just realized that more than anything. And, and I still do. I still check my phone. I don't look at the, the walls as much. I barely look at them. But text messages right. I look at and emails. Those are the two things that I... One of the reasons why I say I don't have anything interesting to say about social media is A, because I don't. But B, it's because people who like are on things all the time, they're always apologizing, you know? They're like, yeah, yeah. it's lame or like... It seems like that they don't really want to do it or they like it's I guess it's just a time killer, right? They Is don't. it just like a boredom thing? I don't I mean, because, know very many people who were like, I love Well, this. right. No one no <laughs> one says like I really love Inst- or Instagram or whatever. And I mean it, I don't think people have said that for a number of years. I mean like you went to all these different places and that's frankly maybe more I mean there's also incentives to these things too. But like if mm-hmm. I was in Bali, people might be interested. I don't I don't really know like I was in Iceland in 2017 for 45 days and I took some photos, but I'm not really, I didn't really, I'm not on Instagram. Like I didn't really post them, but I mean, I guess part of me is like, maybe I should have shared these because no (laughs) one, well, it's true though. No one knows, you know, if it's, I do wonder, like maybe I should be more proactive so people can think I'm cool. And then Mm. like, (laughs) see, that's interesting too, this notion of cool. I recently uh, had somebody ask me if my relationship was real. Your relationship? Yeah, your the life, relationship your, I am yeah. in a uh-huh. relationship. And um, he asked if it was a real relationship because he hadn't seen mm-hmm. me with this person or any sort of declaration on the walls. Yeah, yeah. And so I've, I, I, somebody before, I have a friend um, who... This was like a third-hand thing, but same thing. He, he he never puts his wife on his Instagram, but his kid's on there a lot. And it was like, is his wife made up? Yeah, or he doesn't like his wife. I or mean, something. people have so yeah. many. 
because so much value is placed on if if you're you know what I mean like it's weird yeah it is so weird well so what how did you respond were you offended or you like I wasn't offended it's a it's a, it's a it's a question that I think a lot of people maybe feel but don't don't ask um they the, a lot of people who know you feel that that your relationship isn't real because it's not on Instagram your partner or whatever not necessarily just me but just the um what it is that we feel compelled to share is maybe um, others' ideas of what is the most important thing to that person who is sharing it. So sure. now I share very limited sort of things. I um, I share, I t- take a lot of pictures of sunsets. <laughs> That's cool. Like, <laughs> sunsets are cool. They've been cool since the dawn of time. <laughs> it's just a thing, you know, the sun, we, we definitely need it um so i i just don't i i don't really but they're not personal no in fact i removed a lot of the personal stuff off of my walls and i even changed my my name because there's a lot of there's just a lot of really scary things happening out there with what specifically facebook is doing with uh, Privacy. privacy and just taking your information and being found and not that I feel like I have anything to hide. I just didn't, I don't, I didn't want to be that transparent anymore. Not that I was revealing every little nook and cranny of my life. It's just, it was looking back, if I think about it, it was just too, too much. But then how do you kind of jive that with your website's kind of traffic going down and your mm. idea of success tying into because the more, Good question. I don't know. I mean, you don't have to have an answer, but I wonder because, mm-hmm. like, I I like to write things, and sometimes they go out in the world, and mm-hmm. I feel conflicted because I don't flood, or I mean, I do like one small thing. Yeah. And if I was better at these things, I think I'd be more well known potentially, and like, you know, well, I'm not saying I would be like a big deal, but I don't do that much. Mm-hmm. And then I've kind of come to a point too, where I'm like, well. I don't really need, I don't want to be some like big, like famous person. I mean, not that I would anyways, but I mean, you know, that could kind of, if I, if I engage and I did all these different types of things, it's like, well, it's not worth it to me. Yeah. And you look at people who, so I have, um, they're like Mary Ruffel. She's uh-huh. a Luddite. I, she's a. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, famously. Major, kind of. major Luddite. So other people, you know, she, if and I'm not Mary Luddite or Mary Ruffel. Don't, <laughs> don't give me, I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying that I see other people. And they're on Twitter and Instagram and they're doing it well. And they're, you know, and I get, I get simultaneously jealous and then it kind of makes me withdrawn. But I don't really want to do those types of things. I'd That's rather... exactly what it's designed for. Jealousy and being withdrawn. <laughs> oh, man, it's just it's 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 like the anti-compassion um, tool, social media, the walls. And they're designed to just like bring out this this the feeling in us that is not the best. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's not the only way, the reason it's designed in that way, but it, that feeling is a, an addictive one in a lot of ways. Like the, the, the jealousy the, feeling the drama. Oh, it's yeah. a very, it's a very dramatic thing. And so, you know, it's, you, you, I think that there are certain um, aspects of humanity where we, we really like to, to poo poo others. And mm-hmm. um, I, I'm totally grossed out by that. <laughs> I don't, I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of that type of um, that type of feeling. 
I've I've noticed it in myself, but I really I I don't like it. So. Well, but you mean that type of feeling that comes out when you're when you're scrolling something and you see other people's accomplishments or photos and you kind of like scoff, kind of like was that what you mean? Like, yeah, that feeling where you're just like, like, maybe you're just in a crappy mood or something, and and then and this hasn't happened enough because I don't I don't scroll, but it you, that feeling where you look, and you're like ah, pasha. <laughs> I I, re- I wrote about it in a way in in these are not found where it was it was a very. Um, more of a metaphorical way of pitching it, but uh, this—it's—it's—it's uh, kind of what I, what I'm, what I'm going at here. Um, I can read part of it if you want me to. Sure. Uh, if I can find it. So it's a little long. Sure. All right. Then I think maybe I should go on a walk. But why go on a walk when I can sit and watch someone else go on a walk on the Internet? Which, by the way, I'm not going to capitalize here or anywhere else because the Internet is undeserving of capitalization. How is it that slug and tarantula aren't capitalized and Internet is? Who makes these decisions? Besides, I think I love this person on the Internet doing the walking. They're handsome and charismatic. Their step is confident and sprightly. I click on hearts and smiley faces. I write things like, brilliant, and you are my hero in the comments section. And I mean it. I root them on and tell others to do the same, and they do. The Internet walker becomes a thing. They have millions of followers, and some of those followers have also become popular Internet walkers with millions of followers. They write books. They give talks. They design walking shoes. They are everywhere on the Internet and off the Internet. Because of all of this, I become cranky. They should find something else to do, I think. I get tired of seeing their face, their walking legs. I think, how the fuck does anyone do that much walking? I'm sure it's a hoax. It's all for the money, for the sex. What a braggart. What a turd. Meanwhile, I sit in the same chair wearing the same pants as the walker, only a little bigger. And I feel bad about my organs, how much noise they make, and how they don't digest things properly. And I wonder when it will all stop, all of the clamor. And maybe I should seriously consider getting up and going on a walk. Get to know the outside air, the maples, the buckeyes, the firs. My eyes need a workout. Maybe the internet walker has inspired me, but I would rather not admit it. Still, I go. I open the door and step onto the sidewalk and feel my legs move, one in front of the other. I notice how fatigued I am. My right leg begins to cramp. A neighbor I haven't seen in months waves, and I don't wave back. I'm unnerved. My walk is nothing like the internet walker's walk, so I start to chew away at myself. You will never be good enough, I think. And so I turn around, four blocks into my walk. I go home. And I put on my bigger pants and I pick up my phone and erase the internet walker and all others who propel me to feel like a nobody. Fatalism. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's sort of, it's supposed to be humorous, but. Yeah. No, it is humorous. I mean, I'm laughing when I say that, but. Yeah. Now writing this, cause you quit beforehand or I mean, were you literally like. A, I was, I was writing it. As I was going through, like, withdrawals, because that's how I process things. My, my work, largely all of my, my relational performance, all of the work I've ever done has been, um, like, a research-based kind of work. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's sort of like a logging that I do. <laughs> I, I log my emotional response to things or any sort of observations that I have if I'm interested in something specifically. I'll just... I'll log the thoughts. And so this was largely a like a, a log. Oh. A, from a ledger. 
But it was not in an, it was not like a narrative. I mean, so you re- subsequently revised it or it was kind of like this. It was. Yeah, it was. Uh, so and then you, I and then I just, you know, once I started editing it, then it, I I wove in some other things here and there. So And then I yeah, I, there's just a couple like the digital applause, which is an interesting way of articulating it. Digital applause makes art I'll seem less lonely. Yeah. Which is true because so many people Again, I don't think this is very original to say, but so many people yeah. like something that you publish on the internet, but they don't actually read the thing, you know? Totally. You get 80 likes, and who engages with it? I yeah. mean, So that's something I've noticed since I got off a sauce off the walls is I have my attention span is definitely better than it was. So I can, if somebody sends me an article, I'll usually read it because I'm not getting... I'm not looking at something that's already got 4,000 things for me to look at. It's very focused. So somebody sends me something, I can actually pay attention to it. You're not, what do you mean 4,000 other things? Like on the wall. So like the the Facebook. Now, were uh, you on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, I was Pinterest? On, I'm bad at Twitter. Um, okay. And I've been on that's, Twitter, but I'm. People say that a lot. I'm bad at Twitter. Yeah. I, I hear that phrase quite a bit. It's not even. I, I, it's this just, radio show is very bad at Twitter. Oh, <laughs> good. <laughs> then I feel like I'm in good company. When you, But what is, so being good at Twitter is what? That you're quippy and you're like, imme- like, what is being good versus being bad, I guess? Well, you know, I've never really studied it um, in depth, but it seems like, yeah, there is uh, there's quippy, there's, you got to have a certain amount of like wit that is just going to just uh, incite all sorts of responses. Um, so kind of like funny and kind of like it's going to engage multiple people kind of. Yeah. yeah. Or angry. There's a lot of anger. On Twitter. Screaming. Lots of screaming, it seems like. Facebook too. Wow. I mean, I haven't really perused the walls on Facebook in a while, but um, I hear from other people, they're like, Facebook is just so angry right now. And so, yeah, I was, I started out on Facebook. Well, first of all, let's go way back. I started out on, no, I never did Friendster. Uh, I never did Friendster. MySpace? MySpace. I was a, I was actually not me. I was somebody else and I didn't even know how to use it. So I never went. I still have an account. And then. I think I was a bit later to the game on Facebook. I remember somebody inviting me and I thought, okay, I'll just do this because these people want to keep in touch. And that's a nice thing. You right. know, when you're when you're here and they're there and there's limited access to, to humans who are all sort of all over the place, it's nice to be able to Right. That. I mean, it's a very noble kind of cause For at sure. the root. You know, you want to see your aunt plant her garden or whatever, but you're not going to be able to get there, you know? I mean... Yes, exactly. Yeah. You want to see that. And so, and and I think that in its beginning stages, it was was pretty innocent. So, and I played with it a lot in the beginning. I mean, I, it was, it was like an art thing for me. Mm -hmm. And I would post things that were weird and you know, questionnaires and just random things. This Um, is like 10 years ago. Yeah. This is when it... So... That's maybe when I was the most active. And then I slipped into Instagram. I don't know. I don't know when. But then for some reason, that that's the one that just sucked well, I, me in. Yeah, but everyone, I mean. It's visual. It's, you, yeah, know, it's, you don't have, you know, you, you don't, you don't have to read a lot of comments. There's not a lot of anger. It's, it's, it's on, it's on your device. So right. Not, I mean, you can look at Instagram on a desktop, I suppose. But it's, it's a little more one at a time. We're visual people. Right. You know. 
Well, on Instagram, I mean, I think they had, because I wrote a little bit about, they had like, I'm like 400 million people in 2015. Yeah. And then in 2016, like 600 million. Now, I mean, now they're over a billion. It's going, it's, maybe it's kind of slowing down a tiny bit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely incrementally, but like also exponentially increasing. Yeah. Yeah. So you got on and that was for you. And then, I mean, do you know how long at the peak were you spending on there? Do you know? Jeez. I think I was probably around an hour a day. I'm so that's sure. not that much. Maybe, in this maybe an hour and a half. I mean, I, I, I will say that I, I've got other things to do. So. Well, no, I'm not assuming, but I mean, yeah. everyone has to wait in lines at some. It's not, I don't, I don't think that you're just like sitting there doing it. But I mean, oh no, I was. <laughs> yeah, but you're also. It's. I mean, cumulative. I don't. When, when I say an hour in a day, I think that's yeah. what it is. Like it's like the whole time. So for sure, for ten minutes in the morning or whatever. Yeah. Oh, the mornings were actually the you get out of bed and then so I um I meditate in the morning so I would do this thing where Then would, and now you I did? Would, yes. Okay. I would meditate and then as soon as I was done meditating I would get on to the Instagram wall. Yeah, okay. Like so that's in the book too. Yes, yeah. Obliterate all of the, all of the work I just did. Well, because it's instantly a place that's chaotic and it takes you out of that meditative state. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So, okay. It's distracting. It's just, oh, look at this. But it's a reward, too, because you just had to spend time alone with yourself. And now, I mean, is why, or can you kind of track why? It's it's just, it's just the dopamine. Yeah. We have such high levels of dopamine that go into these devices. I mean, it's, it's the main thing that, like, that dopamine spike. That's the thing. But from, like, notifications or just looking at another picture of a waterfall? <laughs> I do like waterfalls. Well, you know what I mean, like or somebody, yeah. I think it's it's probably um I think it's more about the notifications. I think it's more about the response. Cuz people are interacting with you or yeah. they checked out your crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. I have posted some pictures of waterfalls. No, I I just meant that as a general <laughs> hanger for because yeah. I love waterfalls. I think we all love waterfalls. That's a good thing. To, sunsets and waterfalls. Let's do it. Well, we can move on to other things, but I did want to ask one, or well, we can we, ask as many we questions. Can, as you we want. can move on to other things, but we won't. But what was I going to say? Oh, I guess so. You, but you have been sending out more of your own stuff, yes. Which kind of entails promoting it, which goes back to the I review thing. So how does that? How is that kind of? Are you like pitching a memoir or like? Uh, so I have, um, I have a manuscript. Oh. I have a memoir manuscript, and so um, w- one of the essays that the Iowa the Iowa Review just published one of those out of the, mm-hmm. the collection of memoirs, and um, some of the others have been featured. Uh, so there was one that was published in Fanzine, and one that was published in Split Lip, um, mm-hmm. and then a couple others. So yeah, I mean, I have a manuscript, and I. Eventually, I, I've pitched it to a couple of people. Um, but I mean, it also means that the more active you are on these things, the better off you'll probably be. So, I mean, yeah. is there a conflict there for you? Mm, you know, it is. A, there's there is some conflict because it just feels so ego driven, and and then I get to this point where I think, well, what am I doing for others? Is this for others? Is my writing for others? Like, how is this benefiting the world? That's ultimately the question I ask myself every day. Like, what, oh, am, really? I, what am I doing here that is benefiting the world? Non-human, human, like, what am I doing that's, that's, that's 
Did, but did you have this question five years ago or when you were younger? I mean, has it always been? Yeah, I've always had that question. That's, so that's pretty ethical. I mean, I guess, frankly, I don't always think about that. Yeah. I think about, you know, I think about myself or I think about, yeah. But I mean, that's one of your kind of things. How am I benefiting the world? Not just putting stuff that might be good, but isn't really adding to any conversation kind of. Yeah. If it, if it's, if it's, is it, is it going to change and see, I don't even like to, like it changed lives. I, I don't, but I, I mean, don't know can, if I have the capacity to do that. I, you can change lives indirectly. I totally. mean, you know, I don't, yeah. I mean, it's very rare that it's like uncle Tom's cabin. Somebody reads something. They're like, I'm going to, I mean, but things, yeah. well, things on a smaller scale, I think happen yeah. all the time. I mean, this made me kind of think about a lot of things that it changed my life. I don't know if it changed my life, but it made me think about things that I hadn't before. And I guess that is a change, you know, awesome. when I, and I mean, user not found. Thank you. Well, the radio people can't. I yeah. appreciate <laughs> you. That's, I, that's, I mean, that's what I, that's what I aimed for with this piece. I, I, um, if I'm going to tell a story about something that is so, it is cliche. It is something that we all struggle with. I don't, in my work, just all of the work in the art, in the writing, if I have um, some sort of mission, like if I'm feeling a need to change either myself, and it's usually starts with myself. I need to figure this out in my own body first. Um, I don't ever want to come across as dogmatic or um, like shove it down people's throat because ultimately it's up to everybody else to do their do their own thing. And I, I don't, I don't have a problem if other people want to like be on the walls all the time. Mm -hmm. that's, that's their choice. So I just, I just want to, I wanted to examine that in my own life. And you've always had a fairly ethical stance though. When I say ethical, I just mean that you, that's always been in the back of your head. How is this making things better or directly or indirectly changing? I mean, it wasn't. I would say since my first trip to India. Oh gosh, really? Yeah. yeah. Huh. So before that, I mean, I mean, I don't know because I, I, I think I was just it was, it was more of wow, this um, you know America is not the only place in the world. And granted, I traveled with my family as a child. We had exchange students from all over the place, and I grew up in a multicultural, multiracial, queer family. So, it I've been exposed to all sorts of the layering of of who I am has probably contributed to that. Before you went to India, mm -hmm. you experienced all those things, but India yeah, is still, just, yeah. yeah. But I think that's when, um, so I was a, I was a, a painter and I was painting these things that were just, you know, they were pretty, but I don't think I even thought about really the intention right. be, uh, beyond their aesthetic quality until I went to India. And then I decided, I'm like, I, I can't be a painter because there's, what's the story of painting? Hmm. What's, what's, how, how could I possibly tell a story through paint? There are people who can do it. I I didn't feel that I could. So. Um, but you, I mean, so there was like a line that you crossed, like this only is aesthetics. This doesn't change any anything. Yeah, really. it felt interesting. Um, felt junky. I mean, I guess a lot of the stuff that I've ever is just purely aesthetic because I haven't really thought, how does this change things? I know. I have that struggle. But that must be really hard to live your artistic life within that confine. It's it's a struggle for sure. Every time I come across a block, 
Uh, I'm kind of coming out of a writer's block right now. Getting back from India, I, whenever I go on a trip and then I come back, I get a little depressed um, because it's just so much stimulus to, okay, you're back to reality. And right. it's it's hard. So, and I was a bit blocked. So I'm coming out of that. And in, but when I have those moments of blockage, those blockages, I go to that place first and foremost of, well, it's okay. Like, really, what am I writing anyway that's, that's not already either been said? It's just that I, I word things differently or maybe I put a spin on it. I mean, original thinking and is a very, I, I don't, is it, no, I don't even think that it, it's real. I mean, mm. everybody's different, but we are all influencing one another to some degree. Um, you so, go to that first. That the originality that doesn't really exist, so I don't have anything to worry about. Or I go I, to originality. I go to what am I really? Am I? Do I really need to say anything? Because there's already so much yeah, out there, mm -hmm. and people are tired. I mean, compassion fatigue is a real thing, and it's it's just there's so I hear this so frequently. Oh, I have so many things I want to read. Oh, I have so many things I want to see. Right. And it's just you, the heaviness in that response. It's like a physical, you see this person sh like slumping over in front of you. <laughs> and it's, you just wonder as a, as a person who's making things, do I want to contribute to your pain here? I don't think so. Sure. Let's go out and like check out a sunset instead. Or a waterfall. <laughs> But so you think about that as somebody creating things, not that mm -hmm. this is my story is is worth telling whoever gets to it more that whoever gets to it, uh, they probably have other things that they could get to. And yeah. Oh, but yeah, I still I, feel <laughs> compelled. I still feel compelled to do it. I know that, um, you know, I find it's interesting because writing is so much work, uh, yeah, it's wretched. It's, it is. It's so funny. It's like, oh, it is just, it, the the beginning stages of it are, are wonderful, where you can just freely write things down and you have the bones and you're just like throwing some thoughts out there and you're whispering to yourself and you're not really worried about the end result. But then you get into the middle editing part because the editing part's very, very involved and you may you want to make things meatier and richer, and you cut things that you maybe think are superfluous or maybe not, and you start to worry about the response. That's when it becomes this arduous thing. And then when it's done and you look back at it and you've finished it, then that's really fulfilling. But writing is a lot of work. Right. But then it's fulfilling, and then it gets out in the world, and you question, should this even <laughs> be in the world? <laughs> exactly. I... um. I, I, I feel that way about user not found a little bit. I'm I'm pretty proud of that piece. And I, the response has been largely positive. Um, I've had a lot of people tell me that they've, they've curbed their oh, really? phone that's usage cool. because of it. Yeah, I've gotten some, e you know, emails from people. And so that's really nice to hear. But when I, I, I think it's, it's a timely piece. I think it's just because what's, when this sure. is what's going on right now. Right. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Do you mean that as a criticism, or do you mean that you're just as a fact? That's a it's, timely. It, it's piece. a yeah. timely piece. It's, yeah, it's a timely I would agree. thing. So, it if this book had been about milking cows, an essay on milking cows, I don't know. I don't think. Yeah, the, don't the bovine community isn't as vocal on <laughs> the internet as 
Um, all right, I want to play one song, even though we talked more than playing songs. But I first, I want to so in in your ongoing project, Sniff. Oh. I invite people to smell me as I smell them, to push our personal boundaries, to question social taboos, and allow us to explore our inner animals. All participants' noses are photographed for simplistic documentation, <laughs> and sniffing logs chart overall responses and associations of all sniffed body parts. Mm. I mean, so I looked at this also on your website. Uh, That's a book. Oh, Eventually, that'll be a book. Um, well, it's interesting what's on there now. I mean, <laughs> well, your olfactory hues are quite kind of acute. Yeah. Um, I guess theirs are too. It seemed like people really knew what they were kind of. When you open up a space for smelling. When you open up a space, yeah. And it's interesting because that is a thing that we don't even think about. It is just, it's like, that is a strong, that is a. Smell? Yes. I mean, that is a driver. Well, we think about it when we don't like it. We don't even have to think about it. It's thinking for us. Mm. It's guiding us daily. Uh And enables us to taste food it uh, let's see, it could potentially like match us up with people. It lets us know if like we're... pheromones, that type of stuff. Is that absolutely that's all of smell? That. Is that smell? That's yeah, par- partially smell, but a lot oh. of it, a lot of it is smell. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're you're walking around. I mean, we're critters, right? We like to forget about that. Um, so what? When did you? When did this project start? That started a long time ago. Okay, because the, there were yeah, yeah, probably um, twelve years ago. Yeah. And then how does it work? I it's well, just I invite people to smell me yeah. as I smell we'll have that. To, we'll have to do we'll have to do it. It's um, I don't, actually I don't smell that bad. I'm not gonna I mean I smell fine. So that's a thing. Um, people naturally say I don't, I don't want somebody to smell me. They yeah. they say I smell bad or right. I'm I didn't shower. You know what? If you were like completely covered in some sort of synthetic soap, I would still be able to cut through it and smell you. Oh At really? Least my version you, of oh you so you you do have an acute I do. nose. Oh. But I don't know. I mean, that's a subjective thing to say. I have no idea. <laughs> well, but you've been doing this for 12 years. So I, more so than, I don't think, I mean, I can smell things. It's not like I can't smell, but I don't consider myself someone who has a real acute sense of smell. But yeah. reading this section on your website, I mean, or this project, it seems like you do. Or you, you've honed that, I guess. I think a lot of smell is associative. Um, so... It so the the comments that I have on others and what their comments are on me are just memory based. A lot of it. Oh, interesting. And we all smell things very differently depending on our associations. So um, I had this lovely dinner uh, with Richard Spear, who's a local writer, and his partner Dorothy Good, and he ended up bringing out all of these perfumes from his past, these oils and perfumes, and we all smelled them, tried to decide what they were. And it was the first time I'd ever really done that with things that were meant to be smelled, mm-hmm. like oils. Is stuff. this recently? This was recent. Okay. So this actually tested my nose in a way that I that I hadn't had it tested before. And I think I only got like 20% of the smells right. So... What were the smells though? I mean, like, there's like it's, there's peppermint, there's uh, okay. ginger, things that 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 you was, would. Did you get peppermint? I mean, I feel like that I would get. I think that. I, got, I definitely got peppermint. I definitely got lavender. I got all of the the obvious. The, the ob- yeah, yeah. Ones. But like sandalwood and crap. I don't think I got sandalwood. But the but the <laughs> but the ones that were more hard, you didn't get. No, that's actually I didn't I didn't get some of the ones that were. 
easier. Mm. Oh. So. But that's different than smelling a person because this is. It is different. I mean, you're smelling a person, right? Yeah, it is different. But in the world of olfactory, in the world of like, what what do you, you know, these, this idea of what is um, appropriate to smell, it's usually a perfume or right. some sort of synthetic dishwashing soap. <laughs> it's got a, a scent to it. And it's all synthetic scent for the most part. I mean, if you smell perfumes that don't have any sort of synthetic quality to them they they often don't smell anything like whatever it is that they've because they've been they've been sitting in this thing. right but can organic things simultaneously be synthetic because i feel like there's such a push with like organic crap now but totally yeah you can i think i think so right but i don't i don't know but yes people um and everybody's got this the, the similar sort of metallic undertones I mean, we got a lot of um, people yeah. have, oh, interesting. Yeah. I smelled a lot of people who smell like pennies. Oh. Yeah. And, um. The water in Ketchum, and... Idaho tastes like pennies. Huh. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or it did <laughs> as of maybe 12 years ago. A lot of people smell like pennies. It's interesting. Yeah. It's just a penny, penny, a penny smell. Um, but that's, again, that's my, that's my word for it. Like if you were to Yeah, I, I might smell, have something different. Yeah. yeah it might be. The banister of my elementary school, first grade. Yeah. Huh. So that's that project is. Um, it's like a, an homage to the just the this, the nose as an individual. It's memory of smell memory, and gives people also an opportunity to to get really intimate without having to be traditionally intimate. Well, yeah, smell is really. Intimate, I mean, right? I smell people's. We smell each other's. Butts, right? Fully clothed in in this in this thing or in, in, in that, sniff in sniff, yeah. Huh. <laughs> but but it's gonna you're, it's still kind of ongoing, and eventually you hope it it's gonna be a book. I want it to. I'd like it to be a book. I'd like to actually create a vessel and and it's not a public space to that would be a bit more um, designed for smelling, so that a lot of uh, all so when it, alternative smells aren't coming into the door. So it's like a locked room. What With all it? different types of smells or smells just? Just just more of um, like a dedicated, like like a studio for sound, but a, a room for smell. So, oh, that sounds really cool. So like a little cube, a white cube. I'd like to sit there and have people come and smell me and I smell them. And it sounds really fetishistic. There's really not anything. I mean, it, yeah, vaguely sexual because everything is vaguely sexual, but not... Not all right, okay. It's all right. Let's play one song, talk about it, and then we will. We jawed for a while, but then we'll get out of here.
Yoko Ono. What's Yoko Ono's social media game? Oh, so funny because uh, I I was more aware of it years ago. I think I followed her on Twitter and she followed me back. Oh. She, but she did that for a long time. She would follow everybody back who followed oh. her. Um, and I don't know if that's still the case, but that was a very Yoko Ono move. To follow somebody back that she yes, doesn't? absolutely. To well, just, just, just like that equal, you know, that oh. equal parts. Let's, let me support you like you're supporting me. That's Yoko Ono for you. No one can see me like you do. Yes. So the, the first version of that song, so this was an Apple's in stereo kind of a remix uh-huh. from Yes, I'm a Witch. And I think that one came out in maybe 2001 or yes i'm a witch did i album. think so i don't remember the date but then the original was from 1981's season of glass and the original is a little more acoustic it doesn't have that shirelles intro which this version the apples and stereo version is the one that i i, I listen to it i think at least once a month at this point the one the latest one the one we just heard yeah. Once a month. Yeah. I know. Th- so th- you asked for some songs and I gave you the songs that I listen to right. frequently. So what, why, and why though, I guess. So is my- <laughs> I think it has a combination to do with, with, with it being Yoko Ono. I mean, she's such an amazing human. I mean, her work, she's a multidisciplinarian. She's been all about play and love and, and peace for her whole, almost her entire career. I mean, she definitely had a like a moment where she was doing work that was a bit more um, enraged, like feminist, like the cut piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say enraged, but just it's it's become specifically her relationship with John Lennon, how it kind of morphed her into this space of, and she did the same thing with him. They had a really amazing relationship into this just really... I, I don't know, inclusive place. So I feel like when I listen, I when I listen to that song, I feel like it's a love song to whoever's listening to it. Hmm. It's just this, and it's also, it kind of just, it's a feel good. It's a feel good song. But do you like? I mean, she's still maybe not really that, but she's still divisive in certain circles, kind of. I mean, do you like her voice? Did you like her art before? I mean. Before well, before she met John Lennon, and then afterwards, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, she, she's the Plastic Ono band. There's yeah, yeah. some really fun stuff that no, she's done. Yeah, yeah, Grapefruit is. Uh, I think she wrote that. I mean, they're right on the verge. When did their relationship start? Like '69, maybe '68, '69. Yeah. She was probably what seven years older than John Lennon. Oh, is she that much older? I think so. Oh, okay. So. She was doing really, I mean, she was a big influence, in my opinion, on, on him and the Beatles. Well, no, definitely. But, <laughs> I mean, before, she was she was a recognized kind mm-hmm. of artist before she met John Lennon, and that's yes. kind of how they met. Yeah. And then people kind of pigeonholed her as someone who broke up my totally. favorite band or, yeah. like, who didn't have any redeeming qualities kind of of her own other than the fact that she was... Yes always by John Lennon's side. I mean, they didn't like her voice and really kind of didn't understand, didn't take the time to understand. I mean, yeah. did you, how did you first encounter her? Through, well, you know, just performance, studying performance oh, so, art. Okay, so so, so mm-hmm. outside of the musical component, I was yeah. like her artist of to, unto herself. Yeah, okay. and then I, you know, the Plastic Ono Band, and then her, her, her solo work is, is something that I, 
if, music I've started listening to over the last 10 years, maybe. So oh. I haven't listened to it for that long. But this and this song, I think I just encountered it within the last maybe three years. So, but now you listen to it regularly. I just it is it brings me so much joy. And it's got this dreamy quality. And it, it, this is the remix, so the the original I don't I don't listen to right on repeat like this one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I really I I'm a big I'm a big Yoko Ono fan for sure. I think she's a good she's a good nugget. I have one of her ads that she placed in the New York Times, probably. 20 years ago, right, right when, well, actually, it was more than 20 years. I'm not even sure when it was. I think it was right at the start of the Iraq War. So, uh, when was that? Okay. Or when the we were trying. George Bush yes. the first? Well, that was like 92, right? No, it wasn't the first. Wait a minute. Well, so George, George Herbert <laughs> or George <laughs> Walker Bush or George Herbert Bush? Because so, 91, 92 was the first time around. Second and then, time. So then you're talking like 2003, 2004. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So she placed an ad in the New York Times. That uh, was like a full page thing? It was a full page. Uh, what was, I don't, just, I just kind of remember it. What? I think it just said peace. But I mean, it is very expensive to put it oh, on a yeah. full page. Wow. So. I think she's got the money, but I mean. She's got the money, but that's it's her priorities. But you, you know, saved so, it? Yeah. Yeah, I still have it. It's in a, it's in a book at home. Oh, you didn't like frame it. It's not in the newspaper, but. Uh, it's not in a frame. It's in a book. A lot of ephemera that I have in my house is tucked into the pages of books. Okay. Now, I, I, I keep old postcards in books. Yeah. And then they're also like simultaneously bookmarks. Okay. I guess to end, do you have anything to read? Yes. So I have, I've been working on a new essay and it's about, it's another sort of cliche subject, but it's it's on love. It's a good one. <laughs> And it's a bit, it's a, it's, uh, yeah. So I'll read, I'll read this and I'm going to try to leave out all of the um, explicit material. One day I would imagine myself a container of love, something not entirely dissimilar to Tupperware with poked holes for breathing. Love would fill my plastic walls, whisper out its edges, backstroke down sidewalks and alleyways. Sometimes I would imagine carrying this container of myself inside my underwear, mostly to the bus stop. There I would encounter others with limps, others who hadn't bathed because of a lack of basic necessities, others who were easily angered by time and its clogging traffic, others who oozed foam from their grimacing mouths. Out it would come, my container of love from the musky insides of my underwear, onto the bus, its seats, onto the lap of a mother mourning her dead teenager. Lend me your arms, she would say. I need them for warming. And of course I would, despite how much I needed them. Bus doors would wind open, spilling me into an iced winter street, snatching my love-contained self from hands into an insatiable wind gust. Watch it rush away, I would, both eyes cracking from cold. A long walk home, still I would plow on, arrive, remove shoes from my feet, caress the heater, warm my fingers' bones. Ready I would be to pull another box from under my bed, hidden alongside a month's dust and a few lonesome socks. Out it would come, mostly empty aside from a Polaroid or two, of old lovers dressed in bras, volleying bananas over a molded shower curtain. Out it would come, my unimagined box filled with unimagined love, 
pouring itself out until all I would hear was the din of a vacuum cleaner, my accompanying childhood hum, my mom's legs shuffle, a slow dance in the kitchen, no shoes. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Jeff. You're listening to The Steer, recorded at KBOO Radio, broadcast on dublab.com, hosted by Jeff Alessandrelli and Sonny Blackinger. For more, see our website at www.the-steer.com. You can download our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and anywhere podcasts are found. <laughs>